0: This episode is powered by Safety FM. Hey, welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast. I am your host, Sheldon Primus. This is the podcast where I teach you the business of being a safety consultant. And this is going to be a continuation episode that we started on Monday. And We are going to continue our conversation with Mr. Blair Boyd from Scotland. And if you haven't heard episode one, I please tell you, go ahead and listen to that. He gives me a lot of foundation of uh, some of the rules in the UK, and then he's also giving me his pathway throughout his career. And uh, in this week's episode, we talk a little bit about IOSH, and that is the Institute of Occupational Safety and Health if you are not on their newsletter go ahead and do it no matter where you are on the globe i really really enjoy their newsletter every week i get this and i'm seeing things and regulations and the way that uh, people are being regulated on you know different areas and i'm just amazed at the differences that i have here in osha than some regulations are across the world so uh, truly, it's been a just a eye-opening conversation with him, and just truly this mind is a great mind for our generation in safety and health, and for the international world, so um, I, I really appreciate him taking the time, and he is the host of the Safer Than Average podcast, so we are going to even mention that in this episode, and I believe... I'm going to be on an episode for him coming up soon, and uh, as this is being played in October 2020, I believe I'll be a guest for him in November 2020, so you can stay tuned to the Safer Than Average podcast, and uh, listen out for me and all of Blair's guests, and this week we're just going to go ahead and do me and Blair again like we did last week, no uh, sponsors for this one and then uh, well, no tip of the week because it's just going to be me and Blair so at the very end you're just going to hear the music take you out my uh, Bruce Lee is the name of this tune if you guys didn't do the music episode I created and written and wrote and produced this one but anyway uh, you're just going to hear when my Bruce Lee song comes up you know we towards the end and then you get the bumper uh, for Safety FM and then that's it we're done so that means I got to tell you Right now, go get them. That means that they'll have um, the, the workers that you spend all that time, energy, and money on. They're going to have uh, a devotion to the company, buy-in. You're going to see them throughout the whole career, possibly, because they will have that kind of... Um, yeah. you know, I guess, family atmosphere culture that says, all right, uh, they stuck with me. Yep. They they trusted me. I'm going to stay with them.
1: Yeah, not yep. bad. And it was a, a kind of family atmosphere company, even though it had a huge turnover and it was a big, multi-sited, multi-center business, mm-hmm. it still had that family feel to it. Oh, that's um great. and the chairman Bill Robertson still used to come into the office. I'll well, actually I'll tell you a funny story. That that's quite an interesting one. Yeah. On my first day, my very first day starting at the Robertson group, I come up really early because as a kid my granddad was in the military um before he before he went into the shipbuilding industry and then went back to it. So he drummed into me as a kid that if you're on time, you're late. You need to be at least 10 minutes early for all your appointments. So my first day I turn up and I go to the the head office and I've got my shirt and tie on and I've got all of my my papers under my arm and I stroll (laughs) up to the front door with purpose, ready to go in and take the first step into my new career that I've been working towards and working hard at university for. (laughs) And a guy walks out in front of me and he opens the door and he holds the door open for me yeah and he says hi how are you and I said I'm good how are you and he said great he said are you wanted a new start and I said yeah and he said are you here for the experience program and I said yes and he said oh that's great he said good luck with it and he shook my hand Mm. And I'll, I'll never forget this. I walked over to the reception and he said, all the best and walked away up the stairs. And the receptionist said to me, do you know who that was? And I said, <laughs> no. She says, that's Bill Robertson that owns the company. And I went, wow. <laughs> First day. <laughs> wow.
0: First day and he holds the door and, for and, you.
1: And that's, that's the type of business it was, you know.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. I feel like um mm-hmm. truly that sets a standard when the boss, the top man is doing mm-hmm. that for the new person you know, uh, yeah. that's truly what you call a corporate culture <laughs> I knew it was coming, I just knew it because <laughs> I didn't do what I normally do, which was uh, to take off my phone, hold on one second, I could always cut this so mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know where it is, so that's the whole thing I've been looking for it for like a good 15 15- <laughs> I mean, this because I was like, I know it's going to happen. Ah, uh, there we go. So I'm going to just cut that part when uh, when I need to. So I'm just going to um, to silence this, and then I'm going to take off my Bluetooth because it's actually connected to uh, it's connected to my my laptop as well so even if this is silent it connects to the laptop but actually connects to my board so then I'll see it on the board too (laughs) too much technology man too much tech Uh, so I had a question that came up uh, when you were telling me everything there and you're responsible of this site, were you also responsible for the safety and health training too for this this company? So you're actually doing the the confined space entry classes or you're doing the the um, fall protection session, sessions or, or anything like that. Is that something that you're doing as well?
1: Not necessarily. So at the Robertson Group, a lot of the training was outsourced, but they subsequently set up the Bill Robertson Training Academy really, um, which they now deliver a lot of those courses in-house they brought a couple of trainers in to deliver a lot of the courses in-house um, but yeah a lot, of, a lot of training the way that construction works in the UK, there's a lot of subcontracting so you'll have a principal contractor and then okay. you'll have the subcontractors all coming in to deliver work packages and you could have a ground worker, for example, doing all of the, the earth moving, the drainage install, the concrete pouring uh-huh. for the floor slabs, up to that kind of level. Yeah. Then you would have joinery companies coming in to do the kit erection for building up the timber kit. Yeah. You would have a crane company delivering the package of works to lift the timber kit into place with a, a mobile crane. Um. You would have a plumbing company coming in to do the, the kind of plumbing works. You would have an electrical company coming in to do the electrical work. You would have a roofing company doing the roofing. Oh. Um, but the Robertsons have also moved as well, um, subsequently after I left they've moved into direct delivery of a lot of the work that they actually employ tradesmen, which isn't very common in the UK for a big principal contracting organisation to employ direct labour tradesmen, so that was a great development for them as well and as I said, they're a great forward thinking business, Yeah, I really really enjoyed my time there, but over Christmas, my Christmas time off I saw this TV programme and it was one of those moments in life that it just jumps out and grabs you <laughs> and sucks you in. So I'm watching this TV programme and I'm, I'm sitting at Christmas I a I bottle of beer open, sitting, having a, having a beer with the wife, talking away to her. And um, it was a rare occasion that she, she was actually home um, because she worked as airline cabin crew at that time. No. And I said, do you know something? I really like the look of that. She says, what is it? What are you watching? She said, this is really obscure. Some of these programmes that you watch have absolutely no interest in. What is it you're watching? (laughs) And I said, it's a programme about Paddington, railway station in London, and how the engineering works that happen over Christmas are carried out this is amazing wow. look at what, all this world that's happening out there at night that you don't know about <laughs> so I was fascinated with it and I watched it for a couple of weeks and thought yeah that's that's awesome if I ever get the chance I'm going to work in the rail industry it's something slightly different and I'm going to really try and drive forward to that yeah. so fast forward a few months I graduate from from university and I've got the the honor of being the court medal winner for the academic year cool. which means that I had the, the highest academic performance of all the students on the bachelor of science occupational safety and health program mm. oh, wow. and I got Congrats. the honor of being the first person on the stage for graduation to graduate from the degree programme I get an extra certificate and a medal which I've got in the the cupboard here oh man congrats Um, that's great so absolutely fantastic and it was great for my career as well had a great day graduated went back to work working in the house building industry and the opportunity arose that was one of these other events again that kinda came to me I wasn't looking for that So I don't know why, but I got an email from a job alert kind of set up and it came through saying there's a role advertised with Siemens Rail Automation and the role is a safety specialist role. I thought, wow, that sounds interesting. Specialist um that that'll be good let's have a look into this so i applied for it and i didn't think anything of it and i got an interview and i went for the interview and i was successful so i had to go and have the hard conversation with what had become quite a, a family group with ken and a few of the other people at robertson's and i said to them, look i've been given this opportunity it's progression for me pays a little bit more money it's something i'm interested in and they said well we really really don't want to lose you but we won't stand in your way oh that's fair and i moved on to go and work with siemens Mm -hmm. and that started another adventure the railway (laughs) Which was really interesting. <laughs> yeah,
0: we just had so, uh, a standard on the railroad. Um, basically, OSHA just did a crane and derrick standard for uh, well, updating that standard for uh, workers on railroads, uh, just to mm-hmm. make sure that there was uh, better, uh, better work practices uh, for mm-hmm. for doing that. So that's really intricate. does does that mean that now you get an additional
1: regulator Uh, so now uh, yes so now it's not the health and safety executive now you have the ORR who are your regulator and that's O-R-R O-R-R is Oh, now you're putting me on the spot, (laughs) Uh, children. I want to get it right. It's the Office of Rail and Road. uh Ah, Okay,
0: Office of Rail and Road. All these acronyms, when they come up, my mind tries to decipher what all the acronyms mean. So I I always think about that one. So So let's jump
1: into the railway. The railway loves an acronym. So one of the first things that you have to do on the railway is go for a medical exam. So I go for my medical exam after I've been there for a couple of weeks. And I go in and I look at the chart on the wall. And the doctor says to me, can you tell me what that bottom line says? And I said, what bottom line? And he said... Failed. Yes. Yes. Go and that have an eye test. It. That would do so it. I go, I go for an eye test and they say, you need glasses. And I said, okay. And they said, you can't see at distance. Did you drive here today? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't drive home. Wow. So I had to get some glasses and go back and finish off with the the eye test so that was fine got all that sorted out and then the next stage of that was to carry out a thing called the PTS there's another one of those acronyms Mm -hmm. told you the real way I love them which is the personal track safety competence okay so to be able to go on the PTS course you had to complete a course called ICI (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, so you can see where we're going exactly And ICI is an industry common induction that's subsequently been withdrawn by network rail who own all of the rail infrastructure in the UK and manage it on behalf of the British government. Uh-huh. So that, that competency has been withdrawn. So they give you these kind of e-learning modules to do in the lead up to it and then you go and do an exam. And on the first day of the PTS course, you go in and sit down and they present you with an exam paper. And if you don't get the exam paper completely right, you fail the course Wow! before they give you any training. So the day that I went, about five people failed the course and were kicked out of the, the room and sent back to work and the rest of got to continue on and, and go through the course. And they teach you how to keep yourself safe on the rail infrastructure, mm. to look after your peers as well, how to deal with an emergency situation, and how to report it back in as well, including things like safety critical communications. Wow. So there was a whole new world for me to learn, even though I was an experienced safety practitioner with... <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of incident accident investigations under my belt, millions of site inspections under my belt and a real diverse portfolio of projects, I had to learn everything all over again because what happens in construction is similar to what happens in the industry when you're working on a track, but there's all of the the real craft that you need to learn as well so instead of measuring in something that you can understand the railway measures in miles and chains Mm -hmm. or miles and yards Uh, there's 22 yards and a chain see I didn't Uh, even know
0: chains as far as a unit of measurement
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it goes that's where the the old kind of chain gang thing comes from on the, the railway as well. Um, really interesting. So you need to learn all of this this new skill and each line has an engineering line reference. So for example, the West Coast Main Line, which is a very famous line in Scotland that runs all the way down to London, was designated as the WCM line. Mm. So you need you to start to learn all the craft. You need to understand where access points and things like that are. And then you need to understand how the, the safe system of work operates in the real industry. So how you can actually get your people to the location that they're working in safely. Yeah. And you have a thing called a controller of site safety or safe work leader, depending on the setup. <laughs> Um which goes under the acronym of I was COST. About, I was just trying to figure WL. that out. I knew it was coming. I was trying to figure <laughs> <Yeah>. it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So your controller of site safety would be the, the person that was in overall charge of the work part. Of so I might be going out to do a safety inspection with mm-hmm. a gang that are going out to install a new signal and carry out the electrical install for that signal um that controls the Basically, a traffic light for the trains. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be going out to the safety inspection with that gang, but I can't go on track until I present my
0: yeah your credentials, ETS yeah
1: certificate to the controller of the site safety, who would then sign you in to his agreed safe system of work and he's an overall charger where you go while you're on track unless you have a different competency yourself called individual working alone which is also got an acronym IWA oh, wow. that you can go out on your own. So as part of that There's a a whole safe system of work that has to go into place to get your people safely to where they're working, so that person and train doesn't interface. Because if a train going at line speed interfaces with a person, there's only going to be one winner. Yeah, no kidding. The the setup of getting that into place is a a real art in itself. There's a lot of planning. The railways about sixty to seventy percent planning the work and the rest delivery. Really, so you really need to plan out everything that you're going to do and how you're going to do it, and then you go out and deliver the work. That sounds a lot to me like, uh, like when you're in the
0: nuclear field and all the planning yeah. that goes into uh, just the nuclear uh, regulatory work, and then even when there's like a, a change you have to go through the whole uh, management of change system and you have to really focus on what this change is going to do, how is it going to uh, affect the trickle down effect and uh, is it going to be intended cost how do you switch this thing back around and you go through the whole plan do check act system over and over <laughs> uh, so it kind of seems like uh, there's a bunch of innate risk assessments that's going on uh, on, a, on almost a conscious. Con- constant basis
1: is that what's yeah, going Yeah, so the safe system pack that's developed will give the controller a site safety access to a certain part of track from one mileage to another mileage hmm. and it will pick out the, the protecting areas like they'll, they'll maybe give a signal as one area of protection and then another signal as the other area of protection and you can work in yeah. the area in between that Hmm. Um, sometimes it goes wrong as well Um, we had some issues previously with uh, guys being out on track and they'd agreed with a signaller who controls the movement of the trains that they weren't to um, they weren't to send any trains through but the person controlling that got it wrong and sent the train through before they were off the line and they had to get clear pretty quickly so It, it can happen. They're always inherently safe in the UK um, as an industry. There's very few deaths or serious injuries in it, mm. but there's always a potential there.
0: Yeah. And that's when you would have to do those uh, three-way communications, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep.
1: Confirming that you understand the information yes. and then repeating it back and all yeah, that good yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, So... That's uh, uh, that's the kind of the real industry. So I worked on a lot of different projects there the Motherwell North Signalling Renewal Project which was a huge big uh, package of works mm-hmm. that was working to close down the old kind of analogue Motherwell Signalling Centre and move it to a new digitalised solution at the West of Scotland Signalling Centre worked on some really historic pieces of track um, yeah. round about the kind of Glasgow Central Station type area and some of the old quirky bits of the railway round about there as well the, I got not see Edmonton that Street Gardens Canadian. Oh man, I gotta see uh, this. You're
0: getting my mind thinking of, you know, I visibly want to see this stuff. I want to see the Subterranean Distillery.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: All these things that you've done is, is truly great. Is there anything now that's like lighting you up or, or your next project or something that, that's caught your attention that you're going to do uh, next?
1: Oh, well, the business that I'm at at the moment has a big, diverse portfolio of energy projects. I've mm. from power stations right through to wind turbines, as well as hydroelectric dams, which I'm mm. massively fascinated with. So I'm going to go and have a look at a couple of them if the opportunity presents itself.
0: Uh, the opportunity will. That's, that's just you, Blair. It's going to happen. Yep. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yep. And then yep. you're going to be ready.
1: So fast forwarding a little bit, worked on loads of different stuff in Scotland in the rail industry, a few different really interesting projects. Um again with the organisation I was with there, I got to travel down to England. I went to some really interesting stuff in England, like the Crossrail Project. Mm. That was mind blown the first day of that I turned up at the office in Canary Wharf in the centre of London Um, the fanciest office block I've ever seen and went on up to the the floor that we were working from with a couple of my colleagues from down there and I was really really interested from an engineering perspective to get out in sight and have a look at some of the kind of construction across rail because it's such a a landmark project Mm -hmm. fascinated with it Um, got to do some audits with them and then I got to travel around quite a lot of different places I went to York and done Mm. a bit of work in York and went down to Oxford as well to do an audit with uh, one of my colleagues down there that was a a pretty interesting project as well so really travelling around the patch, doing a lot of different work Putting together a lot of kind of new and innovative ideas. I had Mm -hmm. uh, a guy called Simon Henser on my podcast a couple of weeks ago um, that I worked with that worked for one of the big labour supply companies. and he mentioned uh, a project that I'd forgotten completely about, if I'm honest. (laughs) I put together an interactive toolbox talk. And
0: it's Based uh, on. Uh, like interactive meaning. Uh, you could uh, as soon as is it like interactive meaning? You get questions, you answer the questions, and it could lead you to something else, or is it interactive not, as in not. you could manipulate something?
1: So how it worked was I got all of our tier one subcontractors, and I got all the directorship, and I sent them an invitation to come to Glasgow from wherever they were based in the UK, to come to a meeting and to be ready to present a one minute video on their commitment to their teams working safely on our projects. Mm. And I had to implement our four steps process that we had in place at the time and reference that as part of it. So what i have done was I hired a camera crew, mm. hired an offsite location, Got the camera crew in, got the directors in, and they uh, had oh, kind of weird feeling to it because they all started phoning each other up and saying. What do you think he wants in this? What do you think I should put in my video? How will I pitch this? It needs to be relevant to my people. And yeah. he really put a lot of effort into getting it together. Yeah, they're so got them on got them filmed, had them sitting. Um, some of them were really nervous. Some of them were right out of their comfort zone. One or two others, it was well within their comfort zone. They were used to doing a lot of public speaking. But got them all in, got it filmed, got some really good information out of it and uh, made the content, got the videos together and got them all edited up with a company logo on it and my company logo on it and their name and title on it. Then I got a head and shoulders photograph taken of them and I got a little booklet published and I put all of the videos onto YouTube Mm -hmm. and I linked their QR code in the booklet and I had their name, their job title a company logo and this QR code, and I had one from my own director as well. Mm. So I issued the little booklets out to all my site supervisors. And the theory behind this was that at four o'clock in the morning, out in a dark, dank railway track, mm-hmm. when you get handed a phone or a tablet with your director and his finery, with his shirt and tie on and full technical, telling you how he wants you to work safely on this particular project. If one of my supervisors has seen you doing something silly that you shouldn't have been doing, it's a real wake-up call. that's (laughs) what my director wants. And equally, if we've seen you doing something that we really like... It's a real pat in the back to see your director at four o'clock in the morning in full technical or in front of you saying, this is how I want you to work on this project. And you're being congratulated by the supervisor for doing a good job. Because oh. that really goes a long way. Oh, Yeah. That, that was just a little kind of project that I put together, shoestring budget, pulled it all together and really developed it out. And it was all those like innovations that I started to bring in. Uh-huh. brought another thing in called the PPE Buddy System. So before we went out on track, we got everybody together and said, right, find a buddy, check each other's PPE. So they would go through the, the process. Your boots, the laces are all snapped in them. We'll get you new laces. Your hard hat is out of manufacturer warranty. Replace mm. it. Your safety glasses are all scratched. They won't work when you're on site. Change them out. And it was that buddy system to get a bit of camaraderie there with the people to get them to check yeah, each other. Yeah, Because if you're wearing it all the time, you might not look at yeah. the day- the date in the hardtack was the the famous one yeah. some people didn't even know how to read the date on the hardtap to see if it was still in manufacturer's warranty yeah. so it was great to get that little coaching session and bring that through so it was all those kind of innovations to start to build it together and we also done a lot of team events that I would host a monthly meeting bring my teams in have a bit of a kind of event with them that we would go through some of the the learnings from incidents, we would talk about openly, an open forum for them to give us feedback and have that real two-way conversation Yeah, what's working for you on site, what's not working, how do we fix it what's the best solution to develop from there so it's getting all of that into play as well, the kind of human performance side of it (laughs) We also worked with a great business called Cardale and a guy called Eddie Woods that we brought in and we had a, a huge old company stand down and brought all our people in Scotland to Hampden Stadium, which is Scotland's national stadium mm. for football, to hear Eddie speak about psychology and introduce some of the theories behind some of the work that he does, like the, the famous number seven plus or minus two. Do you know this one? Mm-mm right so in Victorian times there was a man and Eddie if you see this you'll forgive my ignorance I can't remember the guy's <laughs> name and you'll be screaming why can yeah. you not remember <laughs> this so you spent a day with me and <laughs> in, in the the Victorian era there was a gentleman who was very famous for going around carrying out this Victorian parlour trick that he had a tray with 10 items on it. Mm -hmm. And he would show you the tray and then he would cover it with a cloth, right? And he would remove a couple of items and put them to the side. And the bait and a lot of the drinking establishments was that you would buy him a drink if he couldn't remember all the items on the tray. Uh, And he would buy you a drink if if he could.
0: Yeah.
1: And he worked out that seven... Plus or minus two was the magic number that most people could remember. So if he had 10 items on the tray, (laughs) he was drinking for free all night. That's great. Right. So how that translates into theory of human performance is if you can generally remember seven plus or minus two things and you're on site and you turn up to site you've been late so you're thinking shit I've been late this morning." Mm-hmm. right that's one thing on your your conveyor belt if you like of the generation game going round you then arrive on site and the supervisor says to you I want you to change what you are doing and I want you to go up that ladder there And I want you to take this toolbox. That's three things again. So that's you up to three of your seven, right? Then your phone rings. So you take it out of your pocket and you say, Oh no, it's my wife. I'll call her back once I'm finished doing what I'm doing. So that adds on to your list. That's right. Then you you take your toolbox and you walk over to your ladder and you put the toolbox at the bottom of the ladder. So that's another one. That's you up at six now. The supervisor shouts you over and says, right, this is how I want you to do the task and this is how you're going to do it. Make sure that you've got this, this and this tool. Mm. All of a sudden, your list is completely full. You walk back to go over to the ladder, and you trip over the toolbox because yeah, you forget you've it got... there. Oh. So you've got seven plus or minus two things. That's a
0: Does
1: good
0: that one. Yeah! Wow. Yeah. All right. That's excellent. I I really have not thought about that. That's that's not perfect because truly it it gives you a a very practical way of making sure as a supervisor even that you don't overload your workers uh, in, in any way. So Hey, before we go, I want to get you, uh, give me a little bit about your podcast. Uh, Tell us a little on on how you got started. You're like what? Um, I remember your first one you did, like you interviewed your boss, I think, or your old boss or something, didn't you?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the podcast started as a conversation between two railway workers sitting in a place called Abington which is in the Scottish Borders um, near Carlisle. Mm. Um, it started out that Simon, who was the first interviewee, Simon Watson, great guy, head of safety at Siemens Mobility, um, a real influence in my career. I really learned a lot working with Simon and the time that I worked with him. And I feel great, all round guy. Just. <laughs> Fantastic at what he does and how he does it. Really inspirational. So, he decided to task me with a little project to help him make a video setting out his new safety strategy for the business and we'd been working to film it all around different areas. Mm -hmm. We were in a place that was absolutely freezing cold in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. waiting for the camera crew to set up to take the last shot of the night and we were just talking about general life and career development and all of that good stuff and I said you know something I've been thinking about and I said great I've got the head of safety here I'm going to bounce a side here off you I really want to start a health and safety podcast and he said that sounds interesting how are you going to <laughs> do that and I said well I don't know yet but it's going to happen and he says well I tell you what if you do it i'll be the first person on it and i went shake on it then deal so we shook on it and i thought about it and i started to plan in my mind how it would look and then lockdown happened and i had a a newborn baby that was two weeks old at the start of lockdown oh well congrats again she wasn't sleeping right. um, at all at that stage and yeah. I was went from being locked in the, to the, the rail industry to locked in the house yeah. um, <laughs> for, for lockdown so I had quite a lot of time on my hands late at night when I was getting up with the, the baby and supporting the wife to, to look after her mm-hmm. and it really gave me some good thinking time. And I thought of the concept for Safer Than Your Average, which is what the podcast is called. Yes. And I developed it through from there. So I called Simon up one afternoon. I said, right, I know how to do it. And I know when we're going to do it all I need for you to say is yes and he said yes so yeah. I recorded with him put the first episode out it started on an absolute shoestring to see how it would transpire and how it would work out mm-hmm. and I developed it through from there but because of all of the contacts that I've got in the industry and wider through my works with the IOSH Wester Scotland branch as a branch development manager um, developing people to go through to that chartered status it's just snowballed, and I've had so many people, so That's each awesome. person led on to the next person. I ended up getting, when I was at university, I studied the, the Piper Alpha disaster in uh-huh. um, quite a bit of detail. It was quite a big case study as part of my course, Yeah, and I read the book, Fire in the Night, by Ian McGinty, and it was a really great book about Piper Alpha it tells you a lot of the information about it and all of the kind of political climate at the time in the UK relating to the oil industry as well and <laughs> I read a story about a guy called Joe Meaning and Joe has now become a friend of mine after me reaching out to him and asking him to be on the podcast
0: yeah
1: I heard he that one first, he was the first special edition one that i done with someone that had survived a disaster mm-hmm. and it really progressed from there. I started getting some really, I, I couldn't even do any of them a disservice by mentioning yeah, any yeah. more because they're all great people in their own right with different career experiences. Yeah. So pulled, pulled them through and I've structured it around people's career journey because I'm a people person. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated with people. I love there's a, a guy just now on TikTok. I don't know if you know TikTok. Yeah. He's out there just now and my favourite guy on TikTok at the moment is the guy that goes up to people with supercars and he says to them, What do you work as? <laughs> oh, I'm fascinated <laughs> with that. That that really okay. kinda sparks my imagination what do you work as? You know? Yeah. So that's kind of where the concept for the podcast came from. Awesome. But one that I will mention is that after the Piper Alpha one, I sat down and I thought to myself, that that was amazing. I'm blown away with being able to share Joe's story and find out all the information. And I've spoken to him and he survived that disaster. And a really strange thing happened. I went from recording that into my living room and I sat down and I switched the TV on and the Discovery Channel came on mm-hmm. and it was the documentary about nine eleven. and I thought wow that that happened and I remember where I was that day I was in oh, yeah. I, I was in a college in Bank, Um and I can remember seeing it on the TV and I thought I need to do it I need to do a podcast about this. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know who I'm going to interview. I don't know. So I started that night sitting looking on Google and I started reading through news articles about people that had given interviews from 9 11. And one of them really stuck out to me. I don't know why, just the, the story of the person stuck out to me. And I contacted her via LinkedIn and I said, hey, from Scotland your story I've read it it was in the New York Post it's fascinating um, would you be interested in coming on the podcast and I never select a wink that night I woke up the next day um, with the time difference she now lives in Georgia um, it was a woman called Kayla Bergeron mm. Kayla was the director of public and corporate affairs for the New York New Jersey Port Authority on Nine Eleven. Oh, wow and I, managed, I got a message back from her and she said yes and I recorded the podcast with her and I'm still to this day blown away with Kayla's story and her journey she is an amazing person mm-hmm. and if you get the chance check it out it's on YouTube Spotify and iTunes as well as well as being available on Podbean so Excellent. fascinating fascinating story and of course moving on from there a little bit sheldon i've also had yourself on the podcast uh, yeah yesterday. yeah that's true that'll we'll, uh, be coming that out soon, wouldn't it? soon. yeah
0: <laughs> that's great yeah i have truly my wife is just enamored with uh, the scottish culture of course as we talked before so uh uh, she's like, You get a chance to go there? We're going, and I said, Yes, yeah. I am too. We're going, <laughs> so yep, yep. yeah, thank you Definitely. for having me. I'm that was to try to awesome. get
1: you to come and speak at the IOSH West of Scotland branch meeting if we can. Yeah. if we ever get back to the new normal of having face to face meetings after this coronavirus, so, yeah, they uh, no kidding it's really been interesting the Scottish Government have put additional measures in this week in the oh. central belt of Scotland that all of the pubs and restaurants have all closed down wow. and we're starting to see a bit of a kickback on it as well now there was a protest in George Square in Glasgow City Centre last night that all of the hospitality businesses oh. dumped all of the ice into the street that they had ordered for the next two weeks because all uh, of the places have closed down. Uh, it's a really no. fascinating time. Um I think and when we get into history a little bit, we'll look back on this and it will be like the wow. this was our generation's thing that happened like my granddad his generation was the second world war Mm -hmm. and then probably the kind of the 70s in america their thing was vietnam and Mm. then moving forward i think this will be what this this generation remembers as the the big world event
0: absolutely wow well uh you have anything to plug any how do we reach you how do we get to you
1: so you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Blair Boyd, BSC CM on LinkedIn. Um, you can also find me on YouTube, Spotify and iTunes under Safer Than Your Average. That's the podcast. Look it up. Get involved. It's great. If you've got any speakers out there that you think might be a good speaker for the Safer Than Your Average podcast to come on and chat their career journey, please reach out to me. I'm keen to get a more of an international audience. I've had a few people from the States, a couple of people from that are now working in the Middle East. And and various other places I had a guy in the past few weeks who's based out in Australia and he originally comes from Middlesbrough in England and he is absolutely hilarious his LinkedIn posts are brilliant I was in Stitches when I saw one I just reached out to him and said come and get involved there's a guy called (laughs) Andy Lewis so shout out to Andy he's a great guy as well um, so yeah, reach out to me if you've got anybody at all that you think might be a good interviewee pass them on to me, we're starting to get a bit tight for this year's schedule we're almost at January already for yeah. uh, for speakers um, and the last plug that I'll give is a big shout out to our friends at the Inside Out group who are our editing and media partner <laughs> They are a fantastic organization. If you need to shoot any health and safety-based film content or install any time-lapse cameras for any big commercial projects, give them a give them a call. They're based out of Nottingham in England, but they work internationally. They've done some fantastic work for me and they edit all of my podcasts as well. So get involved with the Inside Out Group, reach out to them. Excellent.
0: I appreciate it, Blair. Thank you so much for being part of the show, man.
1: Uh, thank you. Sure, thank you very much, Show, and I'm looking forward to you in it. Thanks.
0: This episode has been powered
1: by Safety FM.